0: Along with Assistant, Google Maps and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
1: Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver
2: smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Bomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional grade blades,
1: say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power
2: that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Bomb. available at Walgreens.
0: from grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen, you were fire. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters, they called you wisdom. Proverbs, on the backs of diamond eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. be smart, be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone and prayer be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter and daughter told the ancestors, And the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come. Dropping Gem. Dropping Gem.
1: Welcome back. Another episode of the Dropping Gems podcast. We are here. I'm Debbie Brown. As always, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for spending this time with me, but also thank you for spending this time with yourself this little 45 minutes to an hour. I don't know what this show is going to come out to, but it is an investment of self and it's an opportunity for us to explore ourselves, to be curious about ourselves in the world. So I do not take it lightly that you have joined me today. I'm so grateful. Big shout out to everybody that has been leaving ratings and reviews on the App Store and Apple. Um, I so deeply appreciate it. And thank you for seeing me. And I just want you to know that I see you too, so very grateful. All right, today's show, I'm pretty hyped for this. A big piece of my spiritual journey has been ancestral lineage work. A big piece of the way that I show up for myself in the world and the work that I do and the peace that I'm able to bring to myself and to my child has really been anchored in connecting to my lineage, connecting to the beautiful gifts that are available to us that can't really come to us and still, until we call out for them. So in today's episode, we are going to really begin to start peeling back the layer on what does ancestral lineage work mean? And it's something that is available to each of us, regardless of your background, regardless of really anything about your life, what you do, where you've been, This is a piece that you can add to that spiritual toolbox that you've been cultivating that is going to start bringing about some real, real radical self-acceptance and change and what I've experienced as very real miracles in my tangible earth life. So today's episode, we are going to be speaking to how to summon in your ancestors, how to summon in guides and angels. And we're just going to begin to do some of that weaving and some of that unpacking and storytelling. So I'm pretty excited. Keep an open mind and an open heart. I know for many people listening, some of the things that we're going to talk about today may feel maybe strange or a little foreign or just different. And so as always, you know, take what you need, leave what you don't. But Just stay open. Just stay open. So when I say ancestral lineage work, this is something that has been coming forward quite a bit. I guess really depending on your algorithm, it pops up on my feed a lot. But it's really uh, a concept and a knowing that has been circling different spiritual communities for quite a while. And it's now becoming a little more mainstream in its understanding. And so when I speak to ancestral healing, the way that I experience it and share it is I really believe and I envision that as I heal myself, as I really invest in myself that diligence of observation, that pouring in and pouring out of joy, that connectiveness to my truth, to my sacred being, and as I share that, I am effortlessly extending that healing to all of the lineage that came before me, And I'm absolutely extending that healing to all the lineage that will move through me and be in the future. And so whenever I'm in maybe one of the tougher phases of my journey, maybe I'm investigating some pieces of myself that are a little more challenging that, you know, I don't like to look at, or some of the more shadowy depths, or even as I'm experiencing new challenges as they arise, and it's bringing forth different traumas and triggers, you know, I really try to go about it with joyful curiosity instead of self-judgment or instead of victimization. At least that is my attempt. (laughs) But I really try to move through it with always having in the forefront of my mind that I am equipped for this moment. I have access to all the tools that I will need for this life and that any work that I do for myself will be a gift to my lineage, past, present, and future, and create new opportunities and really create an energy that adds into the new earth and the elevation of collective consciousness that so many of us are working to bring forward. So much healing that we want to extend to people. So today's show, I have a very special guest. Um, All my shows are special guests, but I am absolutely in awe of this woman. Um, I love the way she teaches. I love the way she speaks. And she is just a true beacon of light. So coming to the show today, my guest is Dr. Rocio Rosales Mesa. She is a seer, a medicine woman, an energy worker, a writer, a psycho-spiritual intuitive coach, and a decolonial healer. And while she has a PhD in counseling psychology, she has chosen not to pursue licensure as a psychologist because of the field's colonial nature. Her work is now to help the black indigenous women and femmes of color be free from colonial programming rather than having them internalize colonial labels. And I'm so happy to have her here. I love her work. We're going to break down all of the ways that you can connect with her because you guys are, I know everyone is just going to be like, oh, I need more of a piece of that. So without further ado, I would love to welcome to the show the amazing Dr. Orocio. So welcome to the show, Dr. Rocio.
2: Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's so good to be here with you.
1: I absolutely love speaking to you. I had the chance to, of course, do um, a live we did on the Chopra account recently about decolonialization. Uh, Mm -hmm. And also, though, we started out, we first met online uh, because COVID. So we were both... We both spoke on a panel really at the top of the pandemic for We Rise LA, which is a mental health initiative here in Los Angeles that does just deeply beautiful work. And Mm -hmm. I remember being on that panel with you, and I was just – like, you were just so striking to me. I just loved hearing what you had to say. Your spirit just really – Exuded through you and jumped out of the screen and your depth of knowledge. So I
2: was like, "Oh, I like her. I want to know more (laughs) about her." (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Thank you for your kind words. I felt the same from you. I feel a kindredness with you. Is that a word? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's let it be a word. Yes. So I so appreciate you and your spirit and just all the beautiful work that that you're bringing forth. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to be here with you again today.
1: Wow, I received that reflection. Thank you. You know, so I've had I've had a chance to share with the audience, you know, so much of who and what you are and there's so much that I find just deeply fascinating about your journey. So you have your PhD in counseling psychology. So that means you were in school forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you were in school forever, but you made the conscious choice even with that deep investment, not just of time, but of money. You made the conscious choice to say, you know, I got these learnings, but this isn't the way that I want to help people heal. Can you speak mm-hmm. to that? Why did you decide to not pursue your licensure as a psychologist, given yes. the
2: the time spent? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I honestly was forced. (laughs) I say spirit and ancestors forced me out of that field because I became, I developed a chronic migraine disability because I was in school forever (laughs) for probably 20 years of my life. I really exploited my body to, to earn the PhD. I really abused my body. And so there came a time where my body just gave out. And I trained as a psychologist, seeing clients, um, doing therapy, but then I made the shift to become a professor, a psychology professor, because I thought um, it might be a little easier for me. It might be easier to set those boundaries because part of me sort of cared too much about the people that I was working with and really felt constrained in the way that do therapy now in the psychology field. And so I felt like if I'm a professor, I may have a little bit more flexibility, um, which didn't turn out to be the case because women of color in academia are almost like the mothers, the mothers for black indigenous students of color. And so wow. I really just, yeah, I really just repeated the same pattern of abusing my body um, after I earned tenure, which means that I secured a lifelong position through doing research, through my teaching evaluations, all of that, I developed a disability, and I was forced to take medical leave. And during that time, I was also pregnant, and wow. I, there were day. And so even going back a little bit before I had to take that medical leave, I was living in pain, daily pain, severe pain for two years. And it wasn't until I became pregnant that it was almost as if my body said, I can't do this anymore. We need a break, you know, and on that medical leave. And after having my child, I just I just couldn't even there were days I couldn't even get out of bed. And so I was on a medical leave and I was let go, you know, I was fired from my position. They, they said I technically wasn't fired. I lost my position, but it was really, they, they let me go. And that was a huge blow because I never, ever imagined that that would happen because I had secured a lifelong, lifelong position. And so it was really through that being forced (laughs) of Mm -hmm. of being fired that all of this sort of became this illusion sort of began to crumble. And, And so I started, that's when I started to begin to see the world differently and see that these systems that we have set up, that we think are secure and safe, that we think bring us healing that they're, they're really false, you know, Mm. that it it really is just a a veil and it is so tenuous and so fragile. And so I lived that myself. And so all of that, that being fired without expectation, like we were literally in, in conversations to find accommodations for me. And then a couple days later, I received an email that said I was, I was, I lost my position. And so that experience of really my world <laughs> imploding really, you know, made me become so critical and, and decolonial in, in examining all of this.
1: Yeah, that that really illustrates for me in this moment, you know, how society just really doesn't hold space for women, mm-hmm. right? All of these structures, all of these positions, all of the everything, Like there's Mm -hmm. not really dignity or compassion or support extended to women because from the story you shared, it's you are literally in immeasurable physical pain. Mm -hmm. You're very clearly doing the work and you were striving to do the work and you had invested just an unfathomable amount of time and mental exertion.
2: Everything, yeah. You're
1: (laughs) pregnant with a child. You have a child- Mm -hmm growing and being nourished inside of you Mm -hmm. and then the structure in place says yeah you're replaceable we can do without you figure it Mm -hmm.
2: out yeah and particularly i want to say for women of color that the way that we treat black indigenous women of color is is we either place them in servitude or we place them as an inconvenience oh okay say that one more time one more time (laughs) yeah For Black, Indigenous women of color particularly, society either places them in this role of servitude or as an inconvenience. Mm.
1: Yeah. Even though I know that to be true, just uh, hearing it right now in this moment, I had to take a breath because that is such a weighty, weighty experience and something I – have dedicated myself to and and think about constantly is what are the barriers to healing that women of color face, that men of color face? What are the barriers to healing? Why is it that our quote unquote healing doesn't seem to come with as much ease as mm-hmm. counterparts, especially within the wellness industry, right? Especially yeah. in- some of the programs where it's like, you know, do yoga, now you're Mm -hmm. healed. And if you're not healed, that's your fault. It's because Mm -hmm. you are blocking yourself, or it's because you're, you know, playing the victim role or doing all of these things. And it's like, Mm -hmm. God, like the the hurdles to remembering our worth and wholeness are just
2: never ending.
1: Sometimes.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah. And so me having that lived experience, And also really seeing how both the psychology field, the wellness field, the healing fields, that they really don't get to the root of of what we experience as Black, Indigenous people of color, really sort of, for me, cemented that of like this field, although I have dedicated a lifetime to it, I am seeing the ways that that it doesn't help us, that it actually blames us for for what we are not even responsible for, right? Like the things that have historically been done to us and is really not addressing that and is actually telling us, especially through the psychology field, through diagnoses and labels, that it's actually your problem right? Like all of this, this anxiety that black indigenous people of color feel even depression at the root of it, I believe is colonial intergenerational trauma, but that doesn't become addressed. And what we tend to do is we say, we give people this diagnosis that you're anxious or you're depressed and people walk around believing that, that that's something that I have to carry my whole life. And it almost feels like a death sentence, rather than really empowering them and letting them know it's actually not your fault hmm. for feeling this way and actually what you're feeling is an appropriate reaction to what has been done to your your lineage to what is still being done to you
1: wow so much of the work that you do and the way in which you've used your depth of knowledge and education is to fully embody in the space of ancestral healing and really rooting in indigenous practice in service to our healing and our wholeness and our growth. How does one even begin to connect with their ancestors? What does mm-hmm. that look like? What was your call to the wild where you mm-hmm. saw another another road to be of service?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my when my life imploded, (laughs) when I lost everything, and I think that's really important because at that time, it was everything that I thought, who I thought I was, right? I was a professor. I was a psychologist. I was even the person that people would come to help right like if anyone had a problem come i'll i'll take care of your problems i'll feel things for you like i was that person and when i developed a disability all of that was gone i couldn't do any of it and it's really that experience of i want to say emptying yourself emptying yourself of who you've who you thought you were who you've been told to be right that that being a clear channel i think is really important and it sounds beautiful to be a clear channel but there's also a lot of pain and a lot of oh, grief in that listen Whew. Mm-hmm. and and i don't yeah. think we speak about that enough yeah yeah of the pain and the grief that is so important
1: all of the shadow work that is yes. necessary and being deprogrammed. Let's sit here yes. cuz this is a piece that people need to know about. Mm-hmm. Love and light, it's not just puppies and rainbows. You know, mm-hmm. I I think personally my path to the level of joy I have access to right now and the level of inner love that I so savor about myself in this moment. Mm-hmm. It was excruciating coming here.
3: Yes. Just yes
1: frightening, excruciating, God awful, you know, Mm -hmm. you are constantly holding a mirror to yourself, to your behavior, to your perspectives, Mm -hmm. to your traumas. And you're making the conscious choice to look at them to stay with them until they are hugged enough that you've dissolved them in your arms.
2: Yes, yes. And that is so important. And so what I always share with the women of color that I work with is compassion is so important. Self-compassion through through that journey, because you, you there will be moments where you do judge yourself and where you feel horrible about yourself. And, and, and the world already does that for you. The world yeah. already judges you enough as a black indigenous woman of color. And so if we can give self-compassion, right? Radical self-love, then we will be able to face that pain. Then we will be able to grieve. And and so, yeah, that that grieving, that pain is so important. I would not be here had I not experienced that, Mm -hmm. you know? Just really crying, like bawling my eyes out of like, all of these things that I thought I was, that, that my mom and I worked so hard for. I was raised by a single mom. And so, so much of my identity was wrapped up in what I did for other people and, and how I can help for other people. And now I can't do any of that. Like, who am I? Right? And And actually, why did I feel that I had to do that? Why did I feel like I had to take care of other people and not just... You know, make space for myself. Where did I learn that? Where did my mother learn that? All of that was so painful to face, but also so necessary to be able to get here.
1: Yeah, yeah. How does one begin to face their pain if it seems like a mountain that is just unclimbable? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or how do they even identify? why they feel about themselves the way that they do. I think that's actually the first step before we can observe our pain.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so this is another reason why I felt called to leave the psychology field is cuz sometimes we get in our head too much. Mm. And we and and so it's related to colonialism and you know being analytical and just being in our mind And yes, it's important to reflect. That is medicine. But also we have a tendency to to overthink things Mm. and to analyze things instead of feeling them. And so if if folks can just let themselves feel, give themselves permission to feel what, what is already bubbling up, right? Without any judgment, right and even maybe putting for me music is very healing so for me it was like okay i'm feeling this and and i need to let this go i need to release this i'm going to listen to to my favorite music to the music that i know really hits my soul mm. and holds my heart and and so even starting there and just allowing that release it's it's a catharsis right and and not not trying to explain it at first, just allowing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Being with yourself, learning how to be with you and how to experience yourself in the fullness of who you are, which is the perceived good choices, the perceived bad choices, some of the mm-hmm. the shame that we can let go of for past behavior or decisions, some of the harm yeah. we can let go of. That, you know, we incurred or endured.
2: um. Yeah. And I think why people don't feel like they can be with it is because they do judge it. They feel like I'm incapable of holding this Mm. or I'm too scared to face this or I'm going to be alone when I when I experience this. And all of that is for me is untrue because we are very resilient peoples and also we can call on spirit to be with us when we're experiencing that. We can call our, our healed ancestors to be with us. And even if they don't have a practice and they don't know what that means like, if you set that intention, they will come to you. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's how I started to to come back to my indigenous roots is, is through that period of really shedding of, of being cleared of everything and really calling them like, I, I can't do this myself. I need your help and really just asking for their guidance and, and allowing them to show it, believing that they will show up, you know? And so, yes, there are rituals and all these things that they will learn along the way, but it can be so simple as calling them in.
1: I love that so, 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 so much. That has added such a layer of Protection and magic and abundance to my life in doing that. And, you know, part of my mindful path and my path of well being, you know, it started really more so in the traditional mindfulness sense about 10 years ago, which was through a meditation retreat and learning how to meditate, uh, which was the game changer for me. And then, really, in the last couple of years, but more so in the last year you know, in in, in the 2020, Mm -hmm. um, I said, so all of this is great, but now it's time for more because life is wild. And Mm so for me, that kind of ancestral practice started as lighting a candle, lighting Mm -hmm. a sage, you know, um, lighting some sage or copal or palo santo. And Mm -hmm. I just said, like, this is an offering of love and gratitude to my ancestors everyone Mm -hmm. in my lineage, please step forward. I invite Mm -hmm. you into my life. Mm -hmm. And from Mm -hmm. there is where, I mean, just magic has been unfolding for me so much, so much divine protection in such a challenging year. Mm -hmm. But also I slowly, to your point, like really, it effortlessly expands you will yes. intuitively be told what to do next. Yes. So it went from lighting that candle to now I'm calling forward specific things because they mm. planted that seed of intention. I'm also yes. inviting in everybody. So I'm like Archangel Michael, come through. Archangel Raphael, Razael, come through to the house. Like I'm, ta- mm. I'm asking everyone to step forward for my highest good. Um, and really asking to meet my highest self most deeply, and I think we, you know, when when people read about the highest self and we talk about it, you know, I think a way to tangibly understand it, it is, it's the best version of you, you on your best day when you're making the best choices and you're feeling really good about yourself and trying to glimpse and live in that all the time, but on mm-hmm. more like a metaphysical level, energetically,
3: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's much deeper than that. It's really the the larger essence of your soul, the pure light being that mm-hmm. is a piece of you, um, that is you, that shared some of itself with the earth to learn.
2: <laughs> yes. And, and that's the part of, that's the part that's missing in psychology for sure. That, that almost psychology, mm, I want to say shuns mm. and, and that out that never resonated with me. Like, yes there's a space for like psycho spirituality but but at the at the academic level it's something that's that's judged and that never resonated for me it felt like a like a spiritual prison that's what i say M- you know my my years in academia felt like like a spiritual prison like i always had to hide this spirit part of myself and so really it was my my ancestors and spirit calling me back, like you don't fit there anymore. You have, a, you know, a higher purpose. And and it really is about just opening that door and, and really a remembrance mm. because we we have been so disconnected as Black Indigenous peoples of color. We've been disconnected violently from from source, from our ancestors, from our indigenous beliefs. But as soon as you can, can intentionally call them in, they, they come, they come to you and they will speak to you and they will give you messages and they will sort of reveal to you the parts of you that still need healing or the parts of you that you can't see or that you don't believe in, they will, they will encourage you and they will speak to you.
1: Hmm. I think a way to ground this a little bit uh, for anyone that happens to be listening that this is feeling really ethereal or out of your grasp, you know, the concept of God giving us free will. This is how Mm -hmm. I I really have deepened my own experience with it. God gave us free will, not just so we could just be making, you know, all of our choices, which is important, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. part of the human experience, but it's so we could cultivate the ability to actively seek him out when we need him for his divine intervention and his grace. And I think mm-hmm. the way that I've experienced it with ancestors, with angels, with all of the energies, it's they're waiting. They're waiting for you to call upon them. They can't, yes. they can't intervene just yet, you know, because they have their roles. We have, you know, our earthly roles. And also, we can't hear them until we seek them out. It's so much harder to hear or see them or, or have that divine influence without seeking it out. And so it's that experience of when you call out to it, when you set the intention to connect with it, that's mm-hmm. when it'll start showing up and unfolding in really beautiful ways in your
2: practices. Yeah. And so as you were saying that, what I heard was like, they're waiting there, but you have to hire them. You yeah. have to bring them in, you know, otherwise, right, they, they, they're respecting your path and they're mm. witnessing. And, and they know that they can support you, but you have to hire them.
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Invite them over. Let yes. them come in. <laughs> so Dr. Rocio, you, you are a medicine woman and you're a seer.
2: Mm-hmm. Expand
1: on what that is and what that experience is.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so I was born with the ability to sort of see the spirit realm, meaning I receive visions. I hear things from the spirit realm. Um, sometimes I just know things that I know that I, there's no way that I would know, Um But for most of my life, I did sort of push it away because I didn't understand it. Um, And so because of this, I come from a long line of healers from both my maternal and paternal lineages, but because of colonization, the most recent uh, generations sort of um, hid these things because there was sort of this, this shame, right? That. Um, I grew up in the Catholic church and so that was sort of discouraged, right? That, you know, just, you know, not to connect to yourself, but to a a power outside of yourself. And so that was very much ingrained in, in my mom and my grandma, even though they have the same abilities, they sort of hid them. And so I learned the same thing. And so... It was through all of this experience that all of that came back and that I began to embrace it Um, and that, that I also took the path of a medicine woman, meaning that healing comes through, yes, the earthly realm, but also the spirit realm of integrating both our human experience and our spiritual experience and also connecting very deeply to the medicine of mother earth that we are her children and that we can access her her medicine through the elements the wind the water right all the fire all of these things and so it's really an integration an integration of all that is available to us and really working with people in a way that honors them as whole beings. And so not in, in the way that that holistic the holistic wellness capitalist field speaks about, right, but really you as a whole being, who are you here, right to be? What is your sole purpose? Mm. What gifts were you given to bring, right? And also what is what what is your spiritual medicine? Right? And how can we integrate that? Mm.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. A conversation that's happening quite a bit in the world. And I think with many of us who are doing this work or seeking this work, it's the understanding and the desire to heal family lineage, Mm -hmm. you know, to really extend the healing that we're doing in our body, minds, and hearts in the hopes that it will go backwards in time and heal that lineage, go forward in time and be the change. You know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are awakened to the understanding wherever you're at on your journey that, you know, the quote unquote buck can stop with you, that there's Mm -hmm. opportunity to fully receive and hold space for the amount of trauma that has existed throughout Mm -hmm. our human history, throughout our lineage, and alchemize it Mm -hmm. so that it does not affect future generations. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to what that is? What is ancestral lineage healing? And how can we start thinking of that more and applying it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first thing that's coming through is, is really developing a connection to the land, you know, I think for me, that has been instrumental of, of, because, so I'm first generation daughter of quote unquote immigrants, I'm Mexicana, Chicana. And for much of my experience, and I think this is the experience of any person of color living in diaspora, meaning that you were taken from your lands, right? That you you were not born in your motherlands. That experience of diaspora makes you feel disconnected like on a soul level it makes you feel disconnected and so connecting to the land giving offerings to the land talking to the land as she as she is your mother you know allowing her to hold you all of that is so important to sort of open up that that path and and to, to connect you, right? It almost feels like the vision that I'm getting is like that umbilical cord with, with mother earth, right. And like really opening that energetic channel with her so that you, you are no longer like floating, because I think that's the experience of so many black indigenous people of color. And we call it anxiety in psychology, but it's this sort of spiritual floating that I'm disconnected from my motherlands. I'm disconnected from my ancestral lineage. And so for me, that is, that is why I do work in decolonial healing, because it really is that, that umbilical cord, you know, of, of healing that Mm -hmm. and really being connected to both the land and our ancestors.
1: Mm. That's so beautiful. That reminds me of when a girlfriend of mine was sharing that she went on a trip to Africa and it felt Mm -hmm. like she was home.
2: Yes. And yes. I
1: think what that kind of even more deeply, what that says to me is not not necessarily, I mean, obviously ancestrally, it's a remembrance of a home yes. that you had in, in another lifetime.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But also what just came forward for me is this idea that by returning there, you were able to dissolve the trauma yes. of the people that were taken from there.
2: Yes. Yes. Because you, you returned there.
1: Yeah, you transformed that pain. You, as your full embodied self with sovereignty and liberation, returned Mm -hmm. to a place um, that was very grieved, and you brought your energy and your light to it.
2: And I feel so much in my heart as you're saying that because it really is—it really is a spiritual remembrance. It. Even the fact that people feel called to their motherlands, that's their ancestors calling them back. It, it doesn't just appear out of nowhere. It's your ancestors calling you back. And anyone listening, if you are feeling something in your body, the energy, something in your heart, that that is ancestral healing, right? That it is in our DNA. It is on a cellular level, right? Healing that we must do to reclaim our power. Because our story as black indigenous people of color is not just pain, right? Like I think we sort of get caught in that loop that becomes harmful, that we just speak about the pain, that we wear the pain as a badge of honor, that it becomes our identity. And that's not what decolonial healing is, right? And and that's not what our ancestors want for us, Mm. right? Our ancestors dreamed us into being, not so that we can survive, right? Not so that we can push through, not so that we can, you know, be the strong ones. They dreamed us into being, to be sovereign, to be free, right? To dream, to thrive, right? And so it really is on a cellular level, you returning to that place where we were pre-colonization. Right. Before they they told us who we were, who were we? Who were we meant to be? And so it's really repairing that on an energetic level, on a spiritual level. And, and what I want to say to people is that yes, these words may sound very like esoteric and ethereal, but it really is just as simple as setting the intention to do it.
1: Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
4: Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. One offer per new customer minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick6 use only. expire after 180 days. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18+ in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states visit dkng.co/pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com/promos.
3: stylish Nissan Sentra. And for the drive that's positively more electric, the Nissan Aria has the perfect combination of raw power and refined luxury. When you want more of what makes driving exciting, from sports cars and sedans to EVs, pickups, and crossovers, you can rely on Nissan because more is all we do. Get the endless excitement and more you've been looking for. Check out Nissan's amazing lineup. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
4: 2023 EPA fuel economy estimates. 30 city MPG. 37 highway MPG. 33 combined MPG for Rogue S and SV front-wheel drive. 28 City MPG 35 Highway MPG, 31 combined MPG for Rogue S and S V All-Wheel Drive, 29 City MPG, 36 Highway MPG, 32 combined MPG, for rogue SL and Platinum From Wheel Drive. 28 City MPG, 34 Highway MPG, 31 combined MPG, for Rogue S L and Platinum All Wheel Drive. Actual mileage may vary
5: with driving conditions. Use for comparison only.
3: Got my prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect.
5: I'm 19 strong
3: And asthmatic, and at higher risk I know some people listening right now are
1: probably like, okay, they're talking about a lot of things I'm not fully familiar with. How many books do I have to read to know this stuff? And it is so much simpler than that. None, none, none. You can set the intention. Yes. Even something as simple, and, I, and I've and i shared this um, on this show before, as some soul work, but even, even saying out loud during your day, God, please show me the truth of who I am. Please yes. show me the yes. deepest the deepest truth of my path. And yes. it's the same thing with this setting the intention and just saying, you know, I, my intention is to dissolve any barriers I have up to my own healing. My intentions are to connect with my
2: ancestral lineage. Yes, yes, right? And, and why is that? So I, I just want to backtrack a little bit that the reason why we don't believe If people are still questioning it, the reason why we don't believe our intention is that powerful is because of the programming, because we've been taught to believe that we need other people to heal us, right? Mm. That we need a, a medical doctor, that we need a psychologist, that we need a professor, all of these things, right? And yes, to some extent that is true, but also we are powerful beings, and the medicine is in us hmm. and we just have to activate it right and so that is very countercultural because we've been taught take this pill right and this pill something outside of yourself is going to fix you and you don't have to do anything but receive it right and that is actually the opposite of what healing is right it's you you setting an intention right? And activating that healing within you. That's what setting an intention means. Yeah. And on a spirit level, all of that, right? Like guides, spirits, ancestors, it is always available to you. And setting the intention opens up that sacred space. And it—it it ha- if people are, are open to that, then they will feel that energy, right? They will feel like the energy of someone hugging them mm. or someone being beside them, right? And and so then it's just believing that and calling it in more. Oh.
1: I have experienced that so deeply in my life, especially mm-hmm. in this last year. And it has been one of the most profound joys and greatest gifts mm-hmm. to feel like I'm walking – like I, I truly feel like – yes. I'm walking into a room with this spiritual army behind me everywhere mm-hmm. I go. I feel mm-hmm. shrouded and protected and surrounded, which is yes. not to say that I haven't actually been faced with some of the darkest and most difficult challenges of my life because very much so I have this year yes. um, but there's it's a different lens that I'm experiencing it with now. It's the lens of yes. just knowing I'm equipped for this mm-hmm. moment of my life and that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about anything. Abundance is my birthright. Protection Mm -hmm. is my birthright. You know, I I came to this earth to experience, but that doesn't mean that I have to be broken or harmed to do that.
2: Yes, yes, and and so then that brings me back to the pain that we were speaking of as Black Indigenous people of color that we get we get so comfortable in the pain, like almost. Yeah. And then cuz it's
1: familiar, right? Like yes. pain and yes. discomfort for many people is their default experience. It's their normal. Yes. So when mm-hmm. there is too much joy or you're feeling even a swell in your chest of anything joyous or different or when someone is nice to you even or shares mm-hmm. a smile with you, you you feel that you can't trust it. That yes. that's not actually real because your yes. foundation of what your quote-unquote normal is has been dysfunction. And yes. so dismantling that,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just feel that heaviness in my heart because, because there's so many Black, Indigenous people of color in that pain and comfortable in it
3: yeah, and almost
2: view it as like, like a good thing. <laughs> I want to say, yeah. and, and then that's when they become complicit in their own oppression. Oof. And I don't say that to judge. I wow. say that from a loving place, but we do become complicit in our own oppression when we allow that pain to define us, mm. Mm. we allow that pain to become our identity.
1: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. If you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, perhaps, yeah, but you don't know my story. Mm
3: -hmm. You don't
1: know how hurt that I've been. You don't know Mm -hmm. what happened to me. Of course, of course, this is who I've become. I Mm -hmm. so hear that. I get it. I get it. And I am sorry. Mm-hmm. But there is opportunity to not limit yourself by acknowledging it and allowing it to be dissolved by seeking joy. It doesn't mean it's untrue. I think so often when we do survive things, something that comes forward for us is that we survived it, so now we have to carry it and it has mm-hmm. to be the narrative of who we are and why we are.
2: And yes. there's
1: opportunity for that not to happen. I think. A great way to start practicing how to live your life without the weight of the Mm -hmm. ways that you were harmed is to restructure the way you share yourself. And so, for example, if you want to share some of who you are in your story, practicing not telling all the potentially horrifying elements that then engage that other person in shock, that then feeds the knowingness that your identity is wrapped in pain. And so Mm -hmm. it could be like, instead of saying, well, when I, you know, well, this and this, this and this, 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 this happened to me, it could Mm be, you know, practicing and just playing with saying, I had a really challenging upbringing. I had a childhood that really lent itself to me feeling quite alone. And because of that, it led me to be this person right now in this moment, just beginning Mm -hmm. to play with our narratives and play with our stories and see what pieces can still convey who we are and why we are, but without a lot of the details that can keep us stuck.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then we rewire, we're programming our brain for pain, right? Yeah, Like we're, we're wiring our brain to be comfortable in the pain. And, and so that's when we don't, can't shift out of it energetically, right? And so we're not saying to spiritually bypass all of that pain. Of course, mm-hmm. you, need, you need to heal and you need to process it, but to not be stuck in that, to not allow what I say, to not allow the colonial pain to define you because then the oppressor wins, then, then you're still playing their game by being stuck in the pain that they inflicted upon you. Right. And so this, this is not who, and so this is my work is to like, for this is a remembering, remembering that our ancestors were not always people that were in pain. Oh, our there was a time where our ancestors were already free. Like we, you know, like we need to get back to that energy yeah. right? and that's ancestral healing. Ah. Uh.
1: Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. Dr. Orocio. how can people connect with you? And what are some of the offerings that they can be a part of? I have a few friends that are involved in your courses and in your teaching, and they are just so blown away by you. I mean, you have just like lifted the veil for them in such, Mm -hmm. such a powerful way. Can you share a little bit about how people can get more connected with you and really walk this path with
2: you? Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's my honor to do this work and to serve as a vessel for this work. Um, if folks want to, so I'm uh, very active on Instagram. So at Dr. Rosales Mesa, um, I have a community there where I share a lot of my work to make it accessible. I show up to um, Thursdays, live Thursday nights after my little one goes to sleep, <laughs> I do lives there for folks that just want to learn about my work. Um, I also have a uh, membership community, the Decolonial Healing Collective. And I say that the community is for the people that are too decolonial for the spiritual world and too spiritual for the decolonial world. It's really existing at those intersections. Um and, and for me, I, I just love the, the intersections because that's where newness comes in. That's where we invite the the new earth. Um, so I have that membership community. Um, and then I do um, spiritual meditations once a month where I channel people that can ask me questions. I channel, um, I do energy healings once a month for folks that are outside of the community as well. Um, and so all of that, they can, um, take a look at either on Instagram or my website drrosalesmessa.com mm,
1: so beautiful I think the the homework I'd like to offer everyone today before we close out the show your sole work for the week will be to practice inviting in your ancestral lineage so mm. I really and if you need to get a notebook grab it and write this down or just rewind when you have the space and the opportunity but I want everyone to get a candle. I want you to, at the end of your night, before bed, dim some lights, put on some music, maybe light a few candles, maybe have some incense burning, and then sit down on the floor. Take a really deep breath in through your nose. Sigh it out through your mouth. And then with a lighter or match in hand, hold up an unlit candle close your eyes and say I'm lighting this candle as an offering of love and gratitude to my ancestors I invite you into my life my intention is to get to know you and to experience you Mm -hmm. and then just let that candle burn for a bit or burn all night however long feels good And just start slowly observing after that day. And I would really suggest doing it every day. Make it part of your routine at night or in the morning and just start noticing. Just hold space to notice any shifts that may happen in an effortless way, any new little bits of beauty and joy that you can see and have access to. And let those kind of just begin to plant the seed for you on how you can grow and expand your spiritual practices. Thank you so much for joining me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for Thank the work you. that you do in the world. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Thank you for your light, for your spirit, and for all that you do, for all that you are. I so appreciate you.
1: Hey, find me on social. Let's connect. At Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram. Or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Tribble and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, small business success stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks.